podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh my gosh, you know, we've had a really relaxed international break, but drama, drama, drama at Anfield, 2-1 to Liverpool against Spurs. It was, it looked like they almost threw it, but a last minute on goal, I mean, even if it came off someone's ass, we would take it all day, every day. I mean, there's just so much emotion. Um, we are live on Discord. Uh, just going to catch my breath. Six more of these to go. I think we will all age significantly. We will lose our appetites, but this is the name of the game and you know what it's post-match so hopefully we'll have some callers let's see what happens but I do have two awesome guests for you so without further ado let me introduce them to you and they've not been on in ages so I am super excited and super pumped to be podcasting with these guys because they are great badasses first up I am joined by the host of the rate.hit podcast the awesome dude I've not spoken to him in ages. Um, it's Kaylon Kareem. Kaylon, how are you doing, Kay? What, what would you like to know? Would you like to know how I'm feeling after a ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous game? <laughs> <laughs> it went over the line. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, it's just madness. Uh, Absolute madness. That's, well, that's all I know at the moment. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. And joining Kay is... Um, I think listeners need to be aware of this. I speak to this person on text more than I speak to my own family members, friends, constantly on at him. But it's the first time I'm podcasting with him in ages. So you know what? Let me unravel the scroll. He is the host of the Pro Wrestling Pod. He is the co-host of the Reds Review Podcast, the host of Face Off Podcast. He also does the One Up Game Podcast. Producer, editor, Awesome dude, it's Guy Drinkle. He's an all-rounder. Guy, James Milner, how you doing? Oh, yeah. Not, not Milner not today. today. Not, not, not today. Not Milner today. Not today. Okay, not today. <laughs> That's offensive. <laughs> uh, but it's been, it's been so long, Nina. How, how are you? I'm so good considering we text each other all the time. We never actually ask how are we. Um, you know, after that game, I'm fucking exhausted. How are you <laughs> feeling after that? Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I was nearly due a trip to the uh, hospital in Middlesbrough, but thank God Toby Alderweireld did that. Christ. Christ. <laughs> Take it Gosh. all day, every thank day. Thank you, right. you Toby. Right, we'll see if any of our wonderful, wonderful subscribers, yes, I'm fluttering my eyelashes because I am producing today, so please call us, come in, give me a shout, see if you want to come on. So um, whilst we wait for hopefully somebody to get back to us, I want to get your thoughts. And I think the first thing we've got to do, Kay, and I'll come to you as well, Guy, is let's talk about the team lineup because we've not seen Liverpool in a good, I, I'm going to say 14 days. It seems like ages. It does seem like 14 days. I'm going to just pretend it was 14 days, even if it wasn't. Um, but it's been ages since we've seen the Reds. And here we are. They, they announced the team. And of course, there were some interesting choices in midfield. So take it away. What did you make of that? As soon as as soon as the team came out, all I got was all these messages. Um, I, I happen to be on Twitter, which I almost never am as well. No lots of complaints. <laughs> we can put it that way. Look, I think 
I I'm still not entirely sure that having Jordan Henderson and Genie Wijnaldum in a midfield together is always the smartest choice. I feel that Jurgen Klopp picks them so that we can we can more stop the other team and then still have a little bit of progressiveness going forward. But I just I think at the moment you've just got to you know I I don't know why Fabs was on the bench. Um, I don't. Do, do you guys know why he why he didn't start? I have no idea. My sister and I were speaking about this and um, Gaia, come to you. My sister and I were speaking about this on text and she goes me, why is Fabinho not playing? And, um, you know, the only analogy that I could make is, you know, when you buy something that's like limited edition, for me, it's a lot of like limited edition, like makeup. And then what you do is you buy it because, oh my God, you need to have it. But then you use it sparingly. It only comes out on special occasions. And we both couldn't stop laughing because it, he does treat these players like that. Yeah, with my limited edition makeup. I'm like that <laughs> you well. don't need it, you natural <laughs> beauty. Oh God, no. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's the only thing I can think of because I think before the game, Klopp said, Pretty much everyone's fine fitness wise. I mean, like including mm-hmm. Naby, who there was doubts about as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I think Klopp said in his own German way that he is good, uh, as he likes to say. But yeah, I, I just don't understand it whatsoever. I mean, Kay, you you said Henderson and Ginny can't work in the same midfield. I mean, we throw Milner and all that, and we've got a proper boring party there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just. It, it just it just baffles me. I, I'm I'm so relieved right now. Like if we drew that game, I'd be so much more angry about the midfield yes. than it was. But we eventually won. But that midfield, it just it just doesn't does not work. I mean, we can all we can all latch on to the PSG performance against the PSG team who had a centre midfielder who doesn't want to be at the club and a centre back in midfield. But it, it, that midfield just simply doesn't work and. Klopp knows more fo- more about football than I'll ever know in 10 lifetimes. But even the average day fan and someone like me, you just look and go, that midfield doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't work. We're getting outplayed by Moussa Sissoko, for God's sake, mm-hmm. on his own. <laughs> I know Moussa Sissoko. He's had, a bit of a, he's had a bit of a career renaissance, to be fair to him. But Jesus Christ, it's still Moussa Sissoko. And if all three of them can't deal with him, I know they were playing two number tens, Man City style, but Jesus Christ, it, it was not pretty for the first. When did Fab come on? About 70 odd minutes? First 70 minutes wasn't pretty in midfield. No, um, I absolutely hear you. And you know what, guys? Let's kind of stick with them. Uh, let's talk about, obviously, of course, we're going to. This pod is a bit erratic and it's a bit everywhere, much like Liverpool's performance today. I mean, <laughs> Guy, Emma, and Kay, I want to get your thoughts on this because one thing that I kind of. Again, you know, with that midfield was the simple fact that you, I think we, we can all agree that when Liverpool have like a lengthy break or a vacation or a summer training camp or whatever, I find that Liverpool start off quite slow when they haven't had consistent club football so there's a worry your your game is against Spurs of course we all know what happened last season you draw 2-2 you've got some you know luxury players in in the likes of Fabinho and they don't play and um you, you kind of look at Spurs and you think well why aren't you playing your best so um uh, you know to me it just seemed really idiotic to not kind of have some control or some kind of leadership in that midfield so for me it was really uh mind-boggling and Kay I'm going to come to you on this because We'll discuss players. We'll just stick with the midfield because we are talking about them right now. But I felt like 
like um, Guy just said there, there was a, a lack of control, but they kind of got away with it in the first half. For the first 30 minutes, I thought, because the attack and the fullbacks were pretty much full full blazing, and I felt like the midfield, no one was really talking about them all so much, but I felt like as the game progressed in, in the second half, and certainly in the beginning of the, um, you know, towards um, the, the, um, the second half, um, they looked really suspect, and tired and ropey, and, um, you know, I think Henderson had a lot of misplaced passes in the first half, he did, yeah, and, and like like Guy said, the midfield really got found out. Second half, we tended to be. Uh, it, it's just you know, Pochettino looked at it and he saw something, had a tactical tweak, and immediately the game changed, and we stopped having any type of control. We stopped being able to control Spurs to stop them, and it, I think the right word is powered. At times in the first half, they sort of powered through, and it was. I agree, Henderson misplaced a couple of passes. Uh, Genie sort of, you know. He, he does a good job, but sometimes he just uh, he ghosts, as we say <laughs> a couple of times. But also Milner, him playing in particular positions in midfield, I feel like you know he runs into a challenge. He's not going to get there. And uh, the opposition player can sort of get around him, and then there's a big gaping hole in the midfield, which you can't, which you can't fill anymore. And all these things together, as the game went on, and as Spurs learned more about what to do, get Ericsson, you know, a little bit uh, higher up, closer to Spurs, get Ali more free. Like, those kinds of things happened, and we just lost control over the game. I was actually on that respect. I know we'll get to it later, but I just felt like throughout that second half, Fabinho seemed perpetually ready to come on, and why didn't he just come on? Because I thought it was fairly obvious. I thought it was fairly obvious that Milner was tiring. I thought we'd lost control of the midfield. That first half should have been a warning shot, Nins. It should have mm-hmm. been something that, you know, it should have been... When we came out and things started immediately like that, and and it wasn't just a ten minute period, we we had lost control of the midfield. I thought that was you know already then we should have seen and all right change you know, but uh, but we didn't, and uh, we uh, maybe in that respect we got a bit lucky today. For sure, and Steve Pizza in in the ch- chat there saying all over the place today, Nina, a bit like our midfield. Thanks. Steve Pizza. Uh, <laughs> Guy, I'm going to come to you because I think Kate hit the nail on the head. And another thing as well, they look quite devastating on the counter-attack in the second half as well, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's um, I, the, the difference between the first half and the second half was quite huge in my opinion. I think first half, the midfield wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible like it was in the second mm. half. Yeah, there was some positives to take from the first half, yeah. the fullbacks and the attackers that kind of mm. um, you know masked some of the cracks, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. I put on t- I put on Twitter myself. I thought Henderson was playing all right in the first fifteen twenty minutes, and then he seemed to not play well as soon as I tweeted that. Um, so <laughs> it just I may have broke Henderson's. What I'm trying to point out there, but um, yeah, it's it was it was just it was just strange throughout. I mean, the first half we were kind of I think Gary Neville summed it up. We were getting so much joy throughout the, throughout the wide spaces, and then through the middle they were kind of just playing through us, and that mm. that's how I thought the first half was going. And then half time, Poch made a tactical tweak by playing going four at the back and putting Danny Rose in a very weird position, which was kind of half centre mid, half winger. And then we just didn't respond to it, and they would just take. They would just go on right through us. It was literally like hot night through butter. It, it was, it, it was just terrifying. And yeah, I mean, we, we're going to touch on Fabio a lot. I imagine he's not even on the bloody pitch yet. But uh, we we just got overran from about thirty minutes to seventy ish, 
probably a bit longer than 70-ish. And that that's a worry. I mean, especially Spurs who have a lot of injuries and playing one midfield, as I pointed out early on. But that, that is a that is a huge worry if that's if it's that easy to play through our midfield. Because they weren't even playing around it. They were literally just marauding through it. Yep, yep. They were, they were, it reminded me to some degree of like the game you mentioned, Paris Saint-Germain. Where you know um, Neymar and Mbappe were were just sort of like just passing the ball to each other, mm. just cutting through our midfield. You know, um, it, it was quite shocking to see it for most parts. Okay, let's stick with the first half and let's kind of focus on some of the positives. And I think what we got to do is kind of give a little bit of a shout out to the fullbacks because I thought whilst there's been a lot of talk about them, guy over recent weeks that they haven't been as good as what they've been. I felt like both of them in the first half really, really stepped up. And, you know, Andy Robertson as well in particular, who has come under a lot of, I won't say stick, but, you know, people have been talking about him saying he's not been on of his form of, say, last season. Um, you know, really stepped it up today. It was almost like he really benefited from the break and not playing international football. Everyone needs to get on that bloke's dentist. <laughs> um, yeah. What does he sedate them with? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's some performance-enhancing joke right there. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Robbo, it's probably his worst spell in a Liverpool shirt, to be honest. I mean, last year, I can't remember him having a bad game. And this season till January, I can't remember him having a bad game, maybe a couple in the Champions League. But it's... Um, it, it was quite. It was just. It's just weird when you want when you watch Robbo, especially because he is normally seven out of ten is one of his quieter games. But today, today I think he was back back to his best. I mean, it, it, it was kind of the full package from him. He defended quite well, which I think's gone and missing a bit from him. But the attacking was there as well. And although we've just complained about the midfield, I think Milner on the left hand side helps Robbo. Helped him a lot. Yes, he did. Yeah, he dropped deep quite a lot and let yeah. him advance. I noticed that. Mm, I mean, Milner. Let's put it this way: Milner played awful as a midfielder, but he played quite well as a left back. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Robbo was helped a decent amount um, to to get that performance out of him. And Robertson's such a key part of the system. I think that's a good decision, really. And Trent um, Spurs obviously played wing backs um, in the first half, so he didn't have too much and too much to do defensively. But even when he was tested, he played very well. Um, and then. We didn't really get caught out defensively at all, apart from the goal, obviously, which was a bit of a mess. But until we were literally pushing everyone forward, and we just had it wasn't even Matip; it was Virgil at the back on his own. So yeah, I thought I thought the um, the fullbacks were just the full package today, and that, I think that's what we need because part of the system that they're, they're just so vital to it. For sure. And um, Kay, I want to get your thoughts on this because I feel like when the fullbacks perform, I feel like our attackers really perform. But we're not talking about the attackers. We are talking about fullbacks. So, you know, um, there was some really interesting takeaways for me from the first half. And for me, one of them was um, Trent Alexander's um, uh, corners. It was almost like he was trying to score. It was a bit mental um, <laughs> to some degree. I was like, what are you doing? And, and of course, um, you know, a uh, shout out to Robertson for, you know, the, the assist for, of course, um, Roberto Firmino there. So I want to get your thoughts on both of our fullbacks today because I thought they actually both had a pretty good game. Yeah, I think, I think you're correct in that, Nin. And I think that the reason why our fullbacks is, uh, they're so pivotal to the way Jurgen Klopp plays is because what we saw from our midfield today is they had a set of very specific instructions given that they've got those attributes that they have and none of them have very specialist attributes when, when you do that 
they will sit in a system for you. They'll do the things that you want in the system. And then when you need the progressiveness, you, ha- you more have the fullbacks doing that. That, that. At least more historically, that's what I've seen the role of the fullbacks um, in our system. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when like someone like uh, Keita is sitting next to Fabinho and you have a different type of progressiveness that's possible through the middle this time. What happens to our fullbacks more on a more consistent basis through that? Now, I thought, I thought they were brilliant today. I, I think one of the things that, especially in the last few weeks, what's, what has been really nice to see from our fullbacks is that I think it's sort of established now that Robo is this kind of person that you just got to play. He's just got to be in the team. His bad performances are going to be 6, 7 out of 10. And his good performances are you know, going to be best in the league. So when he's not doing so well, you just have to play him. Just see him through that particular period and let him get out the other side. And he tends to just give you more. The, the more the game demands, the more he gives you. And we require that type of player. I mean, you can have Alexander-Arnold. I th- oh, you've gone a bit quiet for me there. Oh, can you quiet? hear me now? Uh, yes, I hear you now. I can hear you fine now, Kay. Are you there, Kay? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Okay, uh, let me let sorry. me just note down the edit. Um, okay. you was you were just speaking about Trent Alexander Arnold there. Okay, then I'll, I'll just do just, the Trent. Yeah. Something. All right. Go for it. Right. Cool. Uh, when it comes to Trent, what I find is that the really interesting thing that's happened with him is that over the course of last season, the beginning of this season, I think opposition teams have looked at him and said, that is the weakness in the Liverpool defence. Let's attack him. I think this is especially because Robbo, while I'm not taking anything away from his performances or his abilities, like we mentioned Milner already, but he also has Sadio on that side who does excellent defensive work. You know, with his pace and his cover speed, he just, he does a, an awful lot of work. Well, that's what we're going to attack. That's what we're going to do two on one because he's come through these things time and time again. They're much more worrying about speed. And we've seen this thing from our fullbacks. They do not hesitate anymore when it comes to putting the ball in the box and, put, and key passes. What Robo did today, he knew what was going to happen before the ball came to him and he slid it, you know, directly. Um, in, in for the first goal. It was that and what Trent does. I, I don't know about the corners. That's, I, I've never seen that before. I've never seen us try to crowd out a keeper like that. <laughs> they must have seen something to do with Tottenham. It was absolutely hilarious. And and to see us almost hit the bar a couple of times from the corner was, was a little bit sensational. I would have loved to see our training this week to see what we did with that. But I think it's a case of maturing fullbacks, fullbacks that have special attributes in a special system and it's just going to get better as we go forward because they're both still maturing and they're both still finding their feet, which is a scary thought for our position players. Then when you put better players, perhaps in particular situations or different players in the mix, when we I forget, we had a Darth of them not so long ago. So let's enjoy them while they're here. Absolutely, absolutely. So some great, great analysis there on our fullbacks. And you know what? We've got a caller. Somebody was there Hello. that was live at the game. Gags Tandon. All right, folks, how are you doing? Can't breathe. <laughs> well, we weren't breathing for a while. Our faces went red. I was almost as orange as, his, as Cam's shirt, to be honest. But I tell you what, we, we're making it hard for ourselves. And I just, I mean, I think I've, I've heard Guy when I just popped in in there talking about the midfield already. And it's just, we're just, I find that we're making ourselves struggle here. And I don't, I, don't, I, I question Sometimes I come in and I question what's going on in the on the team selections and people are right to be crazy at the start because that performance was awful. 
It was awful. It was mm -hmm. awful. The second half, especially, was horrific. Cam, would you agree? Yeah, the second half, um, after 10 minutes, we were saying the change is needed. Um, we need to bring Fabinho on and uh, take Henderson off. Just 10 uh, minutes in? Yeah, after 10 minutes. And it was uh, it was so patently obvious that our midfield was non-existent in the second half. We were okay in the first half with that midfield. Second half, they didn't have a clue. Um, mm -hmm. We were getting so exposed down our left flank uh, with uh, Robson. Uh, Robson. Yeah, with Robbo. It was so easy the way it was just simple one-twos and they, they were just cutting through us like ribbons. How and, we and not only Robbo though, like Milner, even though he does cover him sometimes, when he moves in a bit central, well, Hendo wasn't doing anything. Well, wasn't doing no anything. tactical awareness at whatsoever at that point. <laughs> it was just, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And we were watching it from Robbo's side. We were right behind Robbo in the Lee mm -hmm. stand above him. So we're just like, what? where the fuck's the cover? Every time Robbo went forward, where the fuck's the cover? There was none. And, and Milner had gone to the right more and it's like, I, it made no sense. No sense whatsoever. What was going on? Ericsson was running and, the show. And before they scored, Klopp was sending on all these, um, you know, instructions. instructions and they were stopping the game and, and BBD was purposely stopping a free kick. Just because he's taking his time on a free kick, just because Hendo was passing on instructions, whatever was said, didn't fucking work a jot. Yeah. Didn't work a jot. And to be fair to Klopp, the subs were very good. They were the right ones. But they were too late. They were, well, we won. No, no, but we won because of a howler. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. They, they I think, yeah, I think, I think Cam's right. I think he was kind of forced into that decision at that point because it was one all. Yeah, Sun comes on and, you know. those corners without, yeah. without Origi being on the pitch. Do you get what mm. I mean? Origi was winning those corners. Mm -hmm. A couple of seconds he was yeah. going down there winning the corners. And yeah. that broke everything up in the middle when he came on. Every, it was, I mean, I put on Twitter just now, like, what the fuck? That difference of fab, what Fabinho made when yeah. he came on just for 20, what, 15 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable, man. And I, you know what? I would like to hear what the panel says. We'll go and leave you to it now. But we'd like to know what the panel thinks. So when Fab came on, how much of a difference in the, and, and the counter start? The counter started as soon as he came on. Yep, they did. And I just want to say thank you, Sissoko. You saved us as well with that terrible miss <laughs> when it was a two-on-one. Yeah. Hey, hey, lads, isn't it good to think jammy bastards and it's your team that you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't give a fuck how we won. We don't give a fuck, but the point is, we can't we can't rely on luck. You know what? I watched it with my mum. Listeners need to be aware of this. I gave up the Fanfield because my mum was home alone on Monday, day, and that's not right. I watched the game with them. We scored, and I celebrated like a lunatic. And she goes, Salah did score it, though. I went, at this point, I don't care if it come off a donkey's ass, okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't call Henderson a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> I donkeys. <laughs> All right, no. Anyway, we leave you to it. But we'd like to know what you thought of Fab when he came on. Okay, this pod is so erratic. Uh, we discussed midfield. Then we went to full back. Now we're going to go back to Fabinho. Okay, got it. Go. Enjoy and have a safe trip back home. Thank you. No worries. Guy, I'm going to come to you because, um, of course, let's speak about the stark difference. And, uh, you know, I think Gags and Cam are absolutely spot on to highlight all those things. I felt like the impact of Fabinho was just night and day in comparison to what we were seeing before that. And it was just little things that I noticed as well. Like, you know, when we were 2-1 up and we had that heart attack 
free kick right at the end. Yeah. And one thing I love is his intelligence. There was a free kick, and you know what he did? He booted that ball as far as he could so his players can get into formation. Something that cost us for the equaliser because yeah. we didn't do that. We did not do that. We just let them play the free kick without even our Milner and Henson even knowing what's going on. You know, it's little things like that. It's attention to that kind of detail is what you need in the midfield. The fact that there's a free kick and he thought, fuck it, I'm just going to hoof it as far as I can. Yeah, I mean, shithousery is, it should be, on Michael Edwards' list of the tributes that we need to look for, shithousery should be the top one, let's be <laughs> honest. Right at the top. Um, yeah, I mean, Fabinho, uh, I mean, what makes it more impressive to me is that we were getting overrun in that game, as we pointed out throughout this podcast. We were getting overrun, overrun, overrun. He came on, first thing he did was just go straight through someone and started a counter-attack. And mm-hmm. then, they, then they set up to defend for the rest of the game. He cha- In like literally one instance, one tackle, he made. He changed the... Um, Psychology, from the psychology of the Spurs team. Mm-hmm. He, for me, he's he should be one of the first names on the team sheet. I mean, it, if if we're going to win anything this season, it looks like it's going to be our defence that does it. Be possibly behind Van Van Dyke, Fabinho, first two names on the team sheet for me because I mean I think I'm not sure what the exact record is, but in terms of a meaningful game where we've actually played our first team, we haven't lost a game with Fabinho on the pitch when he started and. I mean, he's just, he's next level to any of our midfielders. People can love Ginny as much as they want, not as good as Fabinho. Milner, Henderson, we've we've touched on, not as good as Fabinho. Cater, he was the one everyone was excited about because we waited. Not not in the same level. Any of these aren't in the same level as Fabinho. He should be the second name on our team sheet, which is a weird praise, but he should be the second name on our team sheet behind Van Dyke because he he just makes such a difference to our team. And fair enough, if we were playing, I think we've got Cardiff coming up soon. If we were playing Cardiff, fair enough, that midfield might have been fine. But this is the probably our hardest game on paper left in the Premier League, in my opinion, and we're not playing our best midfielder. That's stupid. And he's shown in 20 minutes the difference he can make. He should be a starter. Every game, that means something to us. It does. I mean, Kay, I want to get your thoughts on Fabinho as well. And at the end, I mean, I caught a minor bit of like the post-match, you know, um, uh, unfoldings and stuff. And he gave Fabinho a massive hug, did Jürgen Klopp. You know, almost like you kind of saved my bacon a little there, you know, because you tightened up things in the midfield. You were the general that I needed, I should have gone with. I mean, we keep saying this, but do you think maybe now the writing's on the wall? Because it seems like Klopp doesn't learn, doesn't want to learn. Like, I don't know, maybe the Kashmiri in me thinks maybe someone's done some black magic on him. I don't know. It's very, very strange. I want to get your thoughts on this. I want to get your thoughts on Fabinho. And just, I just think the difference that he made, it was, and you know what, he came, he, and he came in at a very difficult time as well because a draw, I think we can all agree, a draw would have been as bad as a loss, in, in my opinion, because we pretty much need to win every single game. This is the thing, when we were not scoring if Fabinho wasn't on the field. Mm. End of. End of. We, we were absolutely at sixes and sevens. We were in complete disarray. We were just bombing the ball up. There was no real pattern to the play in the second half after Spurs scored. And for the whole second half, actually, I mean, we just we just didn't look like we were going to create. And their equaliser, their equaliser actually rattled our forwards. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. I mean, Nins, you mentioned earlier about how a break comes and the Liverpool isn't on it. I mean, Fabinho has a break, comes back. Okay, The thing is, as soon as he came onto the field, 
Look at his face. Look at his actions. Look at look at what he does. He's winning the game. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's winning the game, and this is something that's a bit underrated across the whole team. And I, I thought Klopp loves tall players, and that's why you know we kept on buying tall players. But um, the Fabinho's height really, really helped. Just gain control of the midfield. Just wrestle control back for that first five minutes, and from then on, he it was his midfield. It was his midfield, and he, it calmed everybody down. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's nice having someone like that on your bench. I mean, what? why? If you have him on the bench, why wouldn't you start him? I don't understand what we lose when Fabinho's on the field. Uh, to answer your question, I'm not sure what, what Penny's going to drop. I, I'm not sure what Jürgen sees in, in practice and that kind of thing. We can only hope you know, that, that this, is, this is what's going on and at least... In, in our, our coming really difficult games, you know, uh, the next two are the really the most difficult games of our run. Has to play for being, you surely has to. But this loyalty thing that he has, and I, I don't know what's Jurgen Klopp's head, but it seems, it seems absolutely clear as day. Fabinho has to play. He has to assert himself. He has to be our midfield general. Even if it's not for want of his attributes, you have to let him settle and get the team to settle around him. Surely. No, I'm with you. I just, again, I, you know, it's to the point where I have to completely agree with Guy in the sense that why isn't this guy playing? You know, why doesn't he start? Because he mm. is one of the first team names I look for on the team sheet now because it's almost like we're building a solid spine. And the only way you can do that is consistently playing those players so they kind of become familiar with I mean. each other. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we've got another caller joining us. Rowan, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear, and you sound amazing. So you know what? I'm going to let you now because I need to catch my breath. Okay. <laughs> so a couple of points that I want to raise, and there's no structure because I'm still coming We're a down. bit everywhere as well. <laughs> yeah. I think you've noticed. <laughs> yeah. mess of a game. But just a couple of points is um, on Friday, I was speaking to a couple of other Liverpool fans talking about Henderson and that he shouldn't be starting as the number six. And... They all made a point. I didn't watch the England games that he had two amazing games for England. And I kind of spoke about the opposition, but they said he was amazing. And that kind of led us on to the conversation of what's Klopp doing with him and why is he playing as the number six? So I just I think that might be a point that I'd like to hear you guys discuss a little. Um, the other point on Fab is so everyone talks about Klopp always goes to his trusted midfield three in uh, Genie, Milner and, and Henderson. Isn't it about time that Fab is part of that trusted three? It just makes no sense. Everybody in the uh, Spurs game chat was talking about the lineup, talking about the fact that Fabinho wasn't there. He didn't get many minutes on his international duty. So why was he not starting? It's an absolute joke, in fact. And then the last comment I want to make on Henderson as the number six is it just doesn't work. I mean, there were time and time again, he was making basic mistakes. He wasn't tracking his runners. He never does. Um, even for the free kick, he gave away the free kick and then he turned his back on the ball. If you saw um, Lucas Moura won a free, lost a free kick against um, Trent and he stood on the ball, the ref actually had to move him away. And that was in the first half. I just don't understand Henderson and the number six row. It, it just doesn't work. And, I'm, you know, it's about time Klopp put his trust in Fab and moved him to that number six position. I don't think you'll have any complaints on, you know, all the points that you made there. I mean, Kay, I'm going to stick with you. Um, Rowan mentioned there that Henderson played really well for England. I mean, I'm, and like Rowan, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch England. I watched old episodes of America's Next Top Model. I felt like <laughs> I, I used my time more effectively. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, 
but apparently he played really well for England. So there's that. Um, but it could be just the English media hyperball as well, which um, they are very guilty of doing, certainly with English players, as, as we all know. Number six and Henderson. It's, it's a mad one, right? Because I don't like Jordan Henderson as a six. Um, I right now don't even like Ginny Wanyaldum as a six. I think we've got a guy that plays a number six. Why doesn't he play? But the problem with Henderson as a six is I feel like, and I think maybe this is what Rowan's alluding to, and he's kind of highlighted some, you know, key moments in the game is he doesn't really understand the position do I sit deep do I move forward he doesn't hold his position well and I always feel like when he's a number six as well because he doesn't understand the position there's like massive of space mass you know a massive space between the midfield the last holding midfielder and the defense and that's where we kind of get penetrated in my mm. opinion yeah I mean I think it's a good question I, I would I would love to know what people you know, really think Jordan Henderson uh, gives us in particular in the number six role um, I think Klopp looks at that midfield and he says, there's a lot of running there. There's a lot of pressing and we can control it that way. But the number six position has become very specialized in, you know, uh, it, it's been this way for, for, you know, many decades. It's just, it's come into sharp focus since like Claude Makalele, et cetera, came to position. But, you know, your whole team sometimes takes their position from the number six because th- that's the fulcrum, you know, th- that's the person. You need somebody with a level of intelligence uh, and, and by that, I mean somebody who's been playing, as you say, Nina, in that role for years and years and years. That's their position, you know. And this is the thing. I think there are certain games that you can get away with Jordan Henderson, Ginny Wijnaldum in the six. They are. And we've seen good games from Jordan Henderson in that position. It's just not these ones, you know. It's just not these ones where you have intelligent opposition midfielders, where you have people that can change positions and go past your midfield and stagger their midfield and that kind of thing. I think in those types of situations, it will be an adequate six. I just don't understand why we would be doing that when, you know, it's like we've got Alberto Moreno and, oh, guy's going to dislike. Um, uh, then you've got Andy Robertson. Do you stop Andy Robertson when he's in a bit of a low period of form and play Alberto Moreno there? And Klopp has gone, no, I'm going to keep on playing this person to play him out of, his bad run of form. I don't understand the thinking behind not playing Fabinho there, not letting the team gel around him, not getting people used to the fact that this is his midfield and he's the general and we do what he says in certain situations. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, great question, Rowan. And uh, I, I don't know, something's, something's behind the scene. Young Claw, we should like something there with that, with that midfield trio. And I think it's the running and I, I, I just don't think it's enough. Yeah. Uh, Guy, I'm going to come to you. Is that he's a midfield that doesn't lose games? I want to get your thoughts on this. And Steve P goes, because Montenegro are comparable to the top three English <laughs> Premier League sides. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? Steve Pizza always comes through, you know, always, always makes me laugh. Be it a good result or a terrible one, he always lightens the mood. Guy, I want to get your thoughts on just the whole talk about, you know, Jordan Henson playing the six and, you know, just how much of a negative impact it not only has on his game, but what it does to all the players around him as well. Because I feel like there's a bit of a clusterfuck in terms of what they're all meant to be doing. Yeah, I mean, this has been a long-standing debate in Liverpool fandom for years, whether it's Chan, uh, that was really it, <laughs> Chan, Fabinho, Ginny at the start. Shut in. <laughs> God, God. Um, no, that was Gerard back in the day. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been a, a discussed position for so long. I mean... I've never, I've never really been. I, I, I've loved Henderson 
frustrating player now because of what, have you, what he used to be and now that what he is um, due to injuries, not just to himself. Um, but yeah, as a number six, I mean, you just... I kind of compare it to the Van Dyke situation. We've had good centre-backs, Mamadou Sacco, for example, um, but now we've got the best centre-back. And you just look at you look at the the difference in our team when you've gone from good to great. Like no, I'm as I said, I'm not Henderson's biggest fan, but he's undoubtedly good at some things. And um, now we've got a player who's just simply better at everything, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, Klopp disagrees with that, but if, if, for me, it's the same upgrade. It's Matip and Lovren to Van Dijk. It's um, it's it's just that same level. And, and Fabinho is a number six. Henderson's not. He started off as a box. He was more of an attacking midfielder when we first got him, and now, mm-hmm. now you're kind of just shoehorning him in. And obviously, he's done okay in that role, but he's just not natural at it. He's, he's, he's a box-to-box midfielder who's playing a role, and you can you can kind of see why, because he's a good presser. That's undoubtedly true. But as um, Rowan mentioned, he's, he's not he's not good at tracking his runners. Um, I think I can't remember who pointed out earlier, but he's not good at covering. Uh, it might have been Gags actually not covering. Um, good at covering the fullbacks. Um, he, he, I think when the game's in front of him, he's fine. But when it's behind him, he's, he panics and just loses everything. Whereas you watch Fabinho, <laughs> he just go, "All right, then I'll just take this ball," and, and you can just see the difference in the team. And yeah, I think Henderson he, he should just be a squad player for myself, but. That's not a bad thing. We need players like that. And it, it's just weird because it's Spurs. As I mentioned earlier, if we're playing someone not not one of the best teams in the country, Henderson's fine as a six. Yeah. It's when he's pressed and Spurs are a pressing team. They've got Deli Ali and Christian Eriksen who, who are who are good at pressing. It just does it just doesn't make sense. He's kind of setting him up for his own failure. And as I said earlier, I thought he played alright the first twenty odd minutes. And then you jinxed but, him. Yeah, then I then I broke him, admittedly. But after, after that, they pressed the shit out of him, and he just couldn't get anything going. It, even the diagonal passes, but it's one of his go-tos. He was he was under hitting that. It was going behind Trent all the time. It it's just it's just something I don't want to see in the big games as Henderson as the number six. And I know we've spent a lot of time on the midfield in this one. I think it should be between Ginny and Henderson in the rotation. Then Fabinho should just play unless we want to give him a break. No, absolutely. And you know what? Let's um, kind of move on. I think we've kind of discussed Henderson there. I think we all know how we feel. Um, I definitely think he's a great squad option. I also think he's great for, you know, other teams. I just don't feel like he fitted today, given, you know, the examples and the reasoning for, um, you know, a team like Spurs. So for me, it was a bit of a no-no. You know, you play your best and it just made a world of difference. And lucky for us that we actually have that player on the bench because two years ago, we didn't have that as well. So, you know, we have evolved and we have changed the fact that Klopp does have game changers. So let's spin that on a positive, the fact that he does have quality on the bench. Okay, guys, let's... Um, Kay, I'm going to come to you. I want to speak about the attackers because I felt like today, Roberto Firmino, certainly in the first half, was a massive pressing machine. Um, I felt like he was really getting under their skin, but um, and of course scored scored the header as well. But um, I thought towards um, the second half, um, kind of fizzled out a little. But I think the entire team did, you know, from the midfield onwards. See, I thought first off, Pochettino obviously got something wrong, and uh, and he he didn't have control of the game. We had the control of the game, and when that was when that was happening, our forwards were taking correct positions. They were doing stuff pretty much as you'd expect them to, and just absolutely bossing it. Again, to your point, Nins, we've come back after the international break and for once just 
been on it. The tempo was hard. Everything was great. Firmino was doing exactly what he wanted. Mane was causing problems. Salah was attracting defenders. When we lost control of the game, I think then, you know, you have a problem of your attackers having to make a decision now. Drop back into midfield or stay where they are. And you have this, you know, difficulty in deciding what to do to come back and help the midfield or to allow them to try and do their jobs and, and for you to push up a little bit more. Um, especially when the game got frazzled, when we weren't in control, when Spurs were dominating right after their goal, you just get the feeling, right, that we're not coming back from this one. Like we, we're sort of not going to score another goal because our attackers are just, nothing is sort of coming off. Nobody's in the correct position. And that's why, you know, that's why we don't have control. The players behind them are not backing up. There are no runners into the box as well. And so you, you will get that, you know, you will have that level of what do I do now? And, and the attackers are not really performing as, as sort of they should. Firmino, I mean, is always indicative of that. Right, I mean, he's always indicative of sort of what's going on in terms of the team. His performance is always going to tell us sort of is the team directly on the money with what the plan that Klopp wants us to do, or or is it not? And today was a really good example, as you say, Nins. First half on it all the time. Second half off, and then as we got control of the game later, he comes into it a bit more when Fabinho comes on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of interesting how how that works out, but uh, it, it goes to show. Like you're for, you can have the best forward line, but you need that control in, in, the, in the rest of the team to be able to, to get the best out of it. Absolutely. And Guy, I want to get your thoughts on the attackers because I thought in the first half, they were all three of them were absolutely all over it and on it. And I think my own criticism would be, and I felt like this was maybe creeping up as well, certainly towards the end of the second half. And, you know, even in the first, some of the decision-making was a little off. I mean, I thought, you know, Mane could have scored that chance in the first half. I thought, you know, had Salah uh, squared it to Mane when they broke away on the counter. Mm. Those little ifs and buts. So just like, hair, you know, you know like literally we're just slightly off perfection because you know the game would have been out of sight at that point and they could have scored that goal and it would have meant nothing you know rather than panic ourselves mm-hmm. yeah i mean the first half especially that they were well probably the first 30 more so than anything yeah. they were linking so well um and, and i think that just stemmed from bobby Firmino. he was kind of not playing up front, he was kind of linking up with the midfield and and pressing from deep and letting the two the two um, wider fast lads kind of play forwards and it was working really well. We, I think, obviously Gags will do the pressing and stuff for UP, but I think we were targeting Davinson Sanchez who just kind of looked Lovren esque, if, that, if that's what I'm going to say. He looked panicked, he looked flustered. Pre Van Dyke Lovren esque, I'll say, just to be kind. Um, he just looked really flustered and a bit lost out there and. Um, Toby and Vertonghen weren't, um, weren't that much better, to be fair. Um, yeah, I, I think we pressed really well in that stage in stage of the game. And Mane, um, not at his fiery best like he has been in 2019 so far. And I think that's fair throughout the game. He defended quite well, I thought. Um, and him and Salah just didn't seem to link up. You, you, you gave that example of the one where Salah could have passed to him and Mane... Um, yeah, it's, he kind of he ran across. He should have run across, in my opinion, to get, make the angle a bit better. But yeah, it's just it's just a it's just a weird one. It's just a weird one. They just didn't really connect. But um, yeah, um, two goals probably should have been more with better decision making. Uh, but uh, they still they still need to get into an extra gear. I think if we're gonna 
win something else, uh, win something this season, I should say. But yeah, the attackers, first half good, second half a bit um, what's the, disconnected is probably the best word. Disconnected, yes. And I think, you know, it's fair to say that I think the entire team and the performance was as well. I mean, Sal, who, you know, randomly just decided to unmute and kind of ruin our podcast or try to, I don't think so. He's put in a little <laughs> a comment there and he wants to know about Mo Salah, you little dancer, let's discuss. And I'm assuming, and I'm only assuming that he's talking about his last little bit of involvement for the own goal. I mean, yeah, he probably had a frustrating day and I think it's evident that he's dying to get his 50th goal. Um, uh, you know, he's trying to break all those records that he wants to possibly do. Of course, that one's gone out of sight because, um, you know, those games have surpassed. But um, I think I read somewhere, one of the post-match uh, comments was Jurgen Klopp had no idea. It kind of crossed the line till he saw all the players sort of celebrate. So, you know, great intelligence from, you know, Marcel for being in the right place at the right time. But they should have really played Benny Hill music to that because that own goal, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this because it literally <laughs> made me laugh. I love this last minute drama at Anfield, people. You got Pickford, you got, you know, this dude here. It's just hilarious. Oh, uh, I mean, Toby Alderweireld, it if he wants to come to one, if he wants to play at Liverpool next season, that's what you got to do there, son. That is perfect. <laughs> <Best advert. laughs> I, know, I know. I mean, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, we didn't deserve, we did not deserve to win that game. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. That was the only way we were winning that game. It, it, it's not as good as the Pickford one for funny short arms moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, Laurie's poor goalkeeping, Alderweire. I'm not sure if everyone noticed this, but Laurie tried to grab the ball, and I think he grabbed Toby from stopping it as well. <laughs> I'm going to watch that again. You know, like the adrenaline was too high. I need to go back and revisit. I'm fairly sure he caught his foot on Laurie, or vice versa. It was brilliant. Oh, Jesus. And I don't care. Salah's, Salah's getting that goal. Screw rules. He deserves oh, it. Oh, yeah. The worst goal ever can be his 50th goal for the club. That that That's it. It, it was. So undeserved, but I mean, it's the old cliche of what that's what champions are made of. And well, luck seems to be on our side somewhat. For sure, for sure. And Rowan just said the dancing feet comment is um, a Kara who jumped on the microphone of her, uh, you know, and it just called him a Mosala dancing, f- dancing feet. Is that what he called him? The little dancer, you little dancer. Well, you know what? I was too busy screaming and going ballistic in my living room. So sorry, <laughs> I, I missed that. But thank you for that. Kate, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, just Mosala and the involvement. And one thing I do like about Jurgen Klopp is, and we'll, we'll discuss this with guys, but one thing I loved was he bought on Origi, but he didn't hook any of our front three. I like that today. Yeah, and he, and he didn't hook Mo because I think it's been mm-hmm. weighing on his mind. I think the way Mo has just, it's just final ball. He sort of gets there and then something happens. And a lot of people, you know, I've had to feel a lot of questions about most of it doesn't look right and that sort of thing. And, and uh, I think to, to an extent, I, I do agree. It's just that final ball, the final shot on goal. And today even, I thought he started really well because um, I'm a body language expert and I know about this stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> I, thought, I thought he started really enthusiastically today. And as, as the, the, the afternoon sort of wore on, I thought he got back into that groove I think the most important thing is here. Did does he feel like it's his goal? And if he feels like it, then I am absolutely that is this is Mo Salah unlocked for the rest of the season, and I'm very very happy with that. Um, yeah, no, it was it, it was great. He was in the right place. It wasn't a great header, right? I don't know what Loris was actually doing. 
because I saw from the opposite angle and it just looked like a weird way to hold and let go of the ball. It was, it's, you know, the other funny angle we got today was Bobby Firmino's header. Because I don't know if you saw the reverse angle of it, but Bobby dabs as he heads the ball. <laughs> if you saw that, but it was brilliant. Yeah, actually, I did see a still of that. Someone goes, uh, uh, your player could never dab in the air whilst he's scoring a goal or something. It just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I saw that as well, yeah. Um, My girlfriend just... was saying that's the, only, that's the only suitable place to dab. <laughs> up in the air and you're about to score a goal. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I thought Mo played well. Hey? I, I thought he played well this game like he usually does. I'm just happy he's, he feels he's got his goal. I hope we can just uh, turn into more goals for the season. For sure, for sure. And I think we might have another. Rakesh, you there? Hey, guys. Yes. Uh, wow, what a game. I don't, don't really know what to start, uh, where to start. I mean, we were lucky. We were lucky. I think, uh, you know, shit goes for you. And I think shit went for us today. And uh, not going not gonna to turn that down. But um, we really, really needed that. Because uh, I think if we would have dropped points today, then... I'd never give up, but I think it would have made things virtually impossible because City would then need to probably drop points twice. And I think that might be asking a little too much. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? It's a good discussion point there. I mean, is there anything else you want to add there, Rakesh? Because we can discuss this. No, no, go ahead. That, that, that was my, uh, that was my uh, yeah, two pennies worth. No, it's it's a great point. People might think, oh, it's just such a simple comment to make. But Kay, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, and it was something that Steve P kind of mentioned earlier on in the chat as well. I can't say it word for word, but it was something along the lines of, you know, players are going to take a huge, you know, it's a massive step for the players because they're equal on points to what, the last time they won the league. Uh, you know, those things, you know, the, the thing... The point difference now is so, so big. Now you have to win it at like 100 points will win you a league now because that's how competitive it is these days. But again, going back to Rakesh's point, point there, what does that do for the player's psychology? You know, like the fact that, oh my God, we almost lost that game. The belief. Yeah, yeah. And I think the particular last minute nature of it, mm-hmm. it just feels like the football gods are on our side as well. You know, we, we, Rakesh is correct. We had no business. Guy is great. We had no business after that second half to score that last goal. We no none. We didn't deserve it at all. You know, it, I, I don't know how many people were completely resigned to the fact that it was going to be a draw. But I mean, now going forward, now you've, you've possibly your most difficult game left of the season, at least on paper. Um, I know this English Premier League We'll, we'll, we'll throw up spools as we go along. But this is, you know, we've had problems with Spurs before and we know they've got a fantastic side, fantastic coach. You come into the game, now you've scored a goal, you're controlling the game and suddenly it all goes to shit. And not, they've not just scored, but they've got the game by the, by the scruff of the neck now. And they're not letting it go. And every single thing we're doing is not turning up. To end up winning a game like that, that is absolutely excellent. And it gives you... It gives you the feeling like you're sort of unstoppable, you know? And like, if you think about Man City, but you think, well, what the hell do we have to do to shake these bastards off? And, mm-hmm. you know, th- 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 not so much how that will affect the Man City squad. It's more how it will affect the Liverpool squad. You know, just thinking about that as, as, as a game goes and taking in these three points, we've done away with the international, we've come back, we've 
beat Spurs 2-1 at home, you know, and the crowd was absolutely fantastic as well. So, yeah, man, I mean, I, I don't think, like, if we had drawn, I don't think we, you know, this, I think previous results were, were, were worse, you know, so-called on paper than this one. It's just winning this one gives you such a boost not going to the rest of the season. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Guy, I'm going to come to you on this as well because um, I, I keep remembering a scene from uh, Gladiator and it's, of course, you know, when Russell Crowe keeps having to fight and fight, fight, and Commodus is like, what am I going to do with you? You simply won't die. And you know, it just reminds me of Liverpool and Man City right now. I want to get your thoughts on just what, you know, I think people like Simon Brundish and in on the in the past on pods have always said that you need to be a lucky team as well as a good team to win a league or to be that you know to be considered and i feel like you, you kind of said we had no business rakesh said it k said it i've called us jammy bastards but you do need that look you know that look and i felt like that goal was pretty much gifted and to top it off, Nina, I was just searching through Twitter there and I've just found a thread by a West Ham fan for some random reason complaining <laughs> about all our luck this season. He's made a thread of, of, of um, a post of each incident that we've got a bit lucky on. I'm going to retweet it. Check it out. <laughs> I will do. It is beautiful. Oh, my God. It is absolutely fantastic. <gasps> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but on today, I mean, and in the running, I mean, yeah, the, the look, we used to hate Man United and, and still do, obviously. But back in the Fergie days, um, th- that's what they did. They got lucky. It, it, it was, and obviously they were a fantastic team as well, but luck is, luck is such a, a deciding factor in anything uh, and everything, really. And it looks like we're getting it, but unfortunately Man City are getting it as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it, sometimes you make your own luck. And, well, Loris has got a howler in him. Toby's not the same as he was. And that's just what happens. You get the ball in the box and mad shit happens. And that's what happened today. I mean, played off. We played awfully. That's not, not all, well, not awfully, but not... Sloppy and a pedestrian, sloppy, yes. I'd say. And yeah. casual. That's the polite way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, slightly above shit. Um <laughs> But yes, it it was. um, That that that's we we just needed. We've not had this in season. We didn't have it under Rafa Rogers. Well, (laughs) nothing was fixing that defense. Not even bloody a leprechaun. Um, Jesus Christ, uh, that was a shit joke. That, (laughs) but yeah, it was. uh, It this season feels like it's. It feels different of the other ones, and the luck is a contributing factor to that. But as I said, Man City are getting it as well. So, yeah, it, it's it's just it's just strange having this feeling because I've not experienced it in my time supporting Liverpool. Mm. If any any of the older supporters may looking at the Kenny, the um, Shankly, etc., Paisley hero, <laughs> were we lucky back then? Uh, but it feel it feels something new for a youngish supporter like myself. Mm. You know, you know what? what? It's so, nice so, that I, I, I could. You know what? It's nice that I could be considered in that bracket. <laughs> my youth for dear life. <laughs> well, I cannot. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, you're making the point about luck. It's really interesting. I was reading an article the other day about a philosophical position in which luck does not exist in the universe, and the reason why it was put forward is that everything has to be in place for the results to be achieved. You, you can't just have luck 
you have to have the quality, you have to have the timing, you have to have the people in the right place and the circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. And when you think about a guy, you're making such a good point there because those previous generations, when we, when we went back, I mean, when's the last time we had an excellent squad combined with a really top level elite coach combined with a feeling of just, you know, amazing uh, atmosphere and field and, you know, all those things together and, our, you know, profits are up, et cetera, et cetera. All those things are together. That seems to be the time when, you know, the luck does sort of fall your way. I mean, it's just interesting that we're getting the luck at this point where all the things are in a row. We can bring Fabinho off the bloody bench to get us a point, you know, to get us a three points at Anfield. And, and that's, you know, that's when you deserve that luck. We've done things all in the right way. Everything is there, all our ducks in a row. We've got maybe all the components to do something special. And yeah, luck is going to fall for you maybe in, in that kind of, kind of circumstance. I, know, I thought I'd chip in since I read an article. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love all the insight and I can't wait to see this West Ham thread. And, uh, you know, please, um, Kaysen article as well i like to read that as well it's always good i'm going to go back to rakesh you've heard what the lad said about look and you know and uh, you know um just the the belief of you know what you said that how important and vital it was i'm going to come back to you rakesh and i want to get you know you let you have the final say on on this because we're speaking about liverpool and what it's doing to them in terms of believing but you know i think we have to kind of look at manchester city as well like they must be thinking fucking hell would you just go away would you just stop now? You know, they must be feeling the exhaustion as well. I mean, albeit they are a bigger squad, they have the better players, they have more experience of winning titles. But, you know, we are really hot on their heels. And, you know, and they probably thought, oh, one all, yep, that's them slipped up, that's them done, that's them finished, but not quite. You know, I'm, I'm no, no psychologist, but there's definitely going to be an element of that. Um, just to, to bring a parallel, um, I remember, I think it was the 08-09 season when we were battling for the league with with uh, United. And mm-hmm. I think that was a season when uh, Makeda came along and uh, scored a couple oh, of God. goals against Aston oh, Villa. Yes. You know, and it was, I think it was extra time and it was, a, it was drawing, they were drawing and, and Makeda came on, did this turn, curled it into the bottom corner. It was a lad who just came off the, off the bench. And I just remember how demoralizing that made me feel when that happened. Um, and, you know, inevitably, certainly with City fans, but probably their players as well, because the players are human. Um, there's going to be an element of that after a result like this and something when you leave it so late. Obviously, you know, they're professionals. They're going to they're gonna take it uh, the next game very seriously. I think they're playing midweek. Games are coming thick and fast for them. So aside from that, that mental, you know, draw, um, that... that uh, uh, the the um the fact I think they've in in all their remaining games they've only got they, they're basically playing two games a week now for the rest of the season and I think they've only got a four game uh, sorry four day break in between their games once assuming they get to the the Champions League semi. I'm loving this research that you've put into Manchester City by the way. Get I've, a lot of I've, I've, listen, I've I've got a Google sheet I've got a Google spreadsheet with days <laughs> in between games. Um, it's uh, yeah I've been doing it for the last month so. Love um, it. Uh, yeah, I'm that I'm that level of nerd, but yeah. Um let's uh I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We really need the win today and if it if it does take something out of them then hey, that's uh that's all good. But we need to do our job as well and hopefully drop some points. Absolutely. Well thank you so much, Rakesh. Um thank you for that point. Cheers, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we brought it over and enjoy your, the well the, what's left of your weekend, which isn't much. So, you know, have a good week. Um 
awesome stuff. Right, guys, it's just us left. And I think the only last few things that maybe we can discuss is um, how amazing is Virgil van Dijk? I was just going to say, Jesus. Yeah. Talk to I, me say, I think we lose that game. I think we lose that game without Virgil van Dijk. Mm. I think we lose it. I, I don't even think we, we, we draw it without him. I, I mean, just his defending on the Sissoko thing was so finely balanced. I mean, yeah, guy, I know it's, I know it's Sissoko. But, like, look at Virgil van Dijk, though. If he goes in, if he goes into Sissoko too quickly, Sissoko just pulls back and sends the ball to, to Son. If he, if he stays too far back, Son just makes a run behind him and Sissoko can thread it the other way. He, he and it's, it's two-on-one as well. And in those situations, the defender makes a stupid decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, do you, I, I cannot see another one of our defenders in the past, like, I don't know, five years or whatever, doing that to force Musa Sissoko into first uncertainty and then somehow cursing the fact that, oh, shit, now I've got to take the shot on to the, to the point where he's like, oh, but now Virgil's coming my way. I've got to get this thing off quickly and then just completely stuffs the whole thing. I mean... There's multiple things that go into it. And I know there are idiots walking around now. Like, I mean, I know Ryan Babel did it midweek and a couple of people have done this season going like, I know Virgil van Dijk's weakness. Like, all right, bro. Like, okay, because what the hell? I mean, he's, he was in the right place so many times in this game today. We haven't even noticed it because he does this every single game. That's just his level, man. And now, you know, two on one, one, one. All that pressure's on him. And he does that. He does that to the point of scaring the attacker. Guy, I'm going to come to you. Your thoughts on Virgil van Dijk. He's just too cool, in my opinion. There's nothing that man can't do. Um, yeah. It, it, uh, this, this has kind of been a debate throughout the fan, the fan base, probably since the start of the season. Who's, who's our best player out of non Probably van Dijk and Salah. But I mean, the, this, this stretch of games, I don't want to tell you... It, it's crappy to compare Salah when he's in his worst form to Van Dijk when he's possibly in his best. But Van Dijk, he's not had a bad patch this season. And I think that's what separates the the best of the best to everyone else. And he just doesn't have bad spells. I mean, he doesn't even have bad spells in games. He has, he's had the odd moment, but can, can anyone think of a game? I mean, even the people in the chat can think of a game where he was just absolutely terrible. I I can't. <laughs> Not even even the even his first six months or whatever the hell last season was. I can't think of a, a terrible game from Van Dijk. I can't even think of a bad game from Van Dijk. And just, just I, another measure of it is how he improves everyone around him. It it's just it's just stupid. I mean, if Robertson has a bad game, it doesn't matter. Van Dijk's there. If Matip has a bad game, it doesn't matter. Van Dijk is there. Allison had a bad game today. Van Dijk still protected him pretty well, apart from when Van uh, when Allison was trying to pass it out like Minula. Um But it, it just improves everyone around him. It is just, oh, it's just bloody. I, I just love the guy. I mean, he's he's making me speechless here, and the fact that it, I mean, every centre back we've had is is literally made out of wet newspaper, and this bloke has played every minute of every game. It's just. Yeah, I like that shot Steve said. The bad game when he wasn't playing against Bayern. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is very true. But yeah, I mean, th- this guy is just, he's next level importance to our team. And without him, we'd be challenging top. 
let's be honest. Without him, we wouldn't be in a title race. No, we wouldn't. And, you know, on a side note as well, like, I, you know, we all kind of grew up watching, you know, the world's greatest defenders and they played for other teams, like, you know, your AC Milans and your Ventuses and, uh, you know, all these uh, Barcelona. I used to love Carlos Puyol. Mm. And right now we have, in my opinion, the best defender in the world and he plays for my team. And you know what? That makes me fucking smile. It's yeah. just a nice feeling. Yeah. And didn't you just hate to? And I, I didn't watch a lot of foreign football, but didn't you just hate watching Ferdinand and Vidic, Terry, Carvalho? I hated watching that. I'm not saying Carragher and Agro, etc., were bad, but you just hated watching them play. Like, they're not going to screw up. And now, when I watch us, it's like, I don't even think about the defence anymore. When two years ago, I was like, all right, which dickhead's going to implode today then? <laughs> yeah, it was. It really was that bad. And you know what? I love the you know, five million for him, and everyone sort of said, "Oh my God, you've overpaid. That is a lot of money." And you know, what? no one even mentions his transfer fee anymore. It's not. Even, if anything, I've seen that people think I think um, you know Liverpool got a bargain there because he has just completely changed the complexion of the defense completely, completely. It's just magnificent, and you're absolutely spot on. I mean, Alisson did have a few shady moments today, and you know what? It doesn't make him a bad keeper. Um, it just means that you know he, he didn't have his best performance, and that's absolutely fine, guys. I think we have pretty much discussed a majority of everything we needed to talk about. So you know what? I'm going to give you the floor. Is there anything you want to get off your chest? Do it now, Kate. I will come to you. Anything from the game? Your last takeaways? Anything you want to say? It's yours. No, I, I just think, I think there's a couple of things we could talk about, but the thing I'm going to mention most is that I love the way that Anfield is just responding now. And mm. it, it's a case of, I, I made this point a couple weeks ago or so on Twitter, it feels like a season when the players have got to show the fans that the players can do it. You know, we, we, as fans, we've just been through so many years and years and years of disappointments that, and, and you've seen it this week on Twitter, as soon as Man City win, there's, you know, a lot of supporters coming on going like, that's it, that's it, lads. Like, we, we you know, it's done and it's dusted. And I, I, I can understand why other fans are frustrated at that. But at the same time, I understand that from the fan reaction because we've never been in this position and it's hard. For We need to be screaming every single game. And just to, yeah, just to, I, I love when Anfield came online, <laughs> absolutely dominated the game. We need more of it. We do. Atmosphere is everything. I mean, I thought we were awful against Leicester at home and it kind of showed that, you know, there was anxiety in the crowd. So I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Um, I think our players respond really well to a rocking, booming Anfield and the crowd as well. What about yourself, um, Guy? Any final takeaways you want to talk about the game before we close this pod off? Um, I think we've covered it quite well. We've pretty much covered every position. Um, but I think that was, although very lucky, I think you just got to reiterate the point. This is what this is what title-winning teams do. Get lucky, score a proper horrendous goal in the last minute. Stop me a visit from to the hospital. Perfect. <laughs> Six more of these to go, guy. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't ask me for the live game on the Wolves, please. I will not make that game. <laughs> Oh gosh, oh. oh gosh, yeah, just thinking about it. You know what? You might be too young to remember the likes of Alan Hansen at the end of the season. You're old enough like you were there. 
and you were in in your peak prime this is what Liverpool are doing to us no guys thank you so much a huge thank you to all of our callers you were amazing you were magnificent thank you to all the people that joined us live a massive thank you to these two awesome dudes that kind of helped me on this pod much needed there's a shit ton of edits but you know what it's part of the game but before I let them go they have some plugs so you know what I am going to give them the floor Kay I know you're a busy dude tell me something about rate.hey Oh, please listen to it. Don't hate. I, like, firstly, I should say sorry for all the edits. A lot of them are my fault. I don't know what's happening. I'm just story. writing, never <laughs> invite K back. Sabotage is hard. <laughs> oh, I've just managed to get on after so long. No. <laughs> uh, no my apologies. My apologies, Nins. Um, just messing. But yeah, please. Please listen to, to Rate Don't Hate. We come on, usually we record the day after the game and it's, uh, it's released sometime around there. Guy is always hovering in the background helping us uh, record that. But it's myself and two AI writers, Tom and Adam, and we, we, we rate the players, but also we compare them to the media ratings and also, most importantly, have subscriber ratings there. There's a huge bunch of fun, lots of discussions, lots of different kinds of arguments brought into that one. And it, it, it really is a nice pod to listen to. We're very proud of it. So do check us out, please. Absolutely, do check out Kay's work and also please follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at the underscore KYLN. Look at that, I know your Twitter handle. I am awesome. Yeah. Can't remember Very my nice. own, but remember yours. Just kidding, <laughs> I've got it up on my phone. Um, <laughs> because I am that person. Guy, um, I think um, you are as busy as me, if not busier. So, what are you up to? Take a breath. Uh, <laughs> <that school? laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I've got a, <clears throat> got one up that I'm going to send to you straight after this show. No, uh, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I have. You got to upload that for me because I did it earlier. Um, then there's Red's review tomorrow. I think PWI later in the week got a salt face off, which uh, might be a struggle because we play Friday. And yeah, I think that's it for next week. <laughs> and prob- and um, the live show, which I'm not sure when will be this week because we play on the Friday. A light Busy. week, the guy. Yeah, a light week. And you know what? what? You, you know what? He does so much producing as well. And you know, to follow Guy Drinkle, you can follow him on Twitter at Guy Drinkle. Pretty straightforward. Just kept his name. Um, Easy peasy. Yeah, guys, a massive thank you. Please do keep it on AI Pro. There is some excellent content coming your way, like rate.hey. I love that podcast. Awesome stuff. I'm sure there'll be a Molby on the spot. There will be a post-match row as well for this game as well. So, you know, the raw reaction to that with them. I think it'll probably be Trev Downey, Harry Sethi, and um, Dave Hendrick. They're the usual suspects. Do check that out. There'll be an under pressure for sure. There's just so much great content coming your way. Also, keep it on the free side because Guy Drinkle is working his backside off there as well. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. A little bit everywhere, this podcast, but much like Liverpool's performance, we got it over the line. Um, enjoy supporting mm-hmm. the Reds. Until next time, I will catch you in my next episode and up the Reds. Podcast Network.